traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. In the squadron, they called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Ow. Hi. Ooh, back. Back from Mar-a-Lago. Did you see? Yes, I went. I was there all weekend, and uh, I saw and met with and discussed and interviewed and filmed President Trump for an extensive uh, conversation that aired last night. I'm very proud of it, actually. It was uh, it was flawless. I'm not saying it was just literally it lacked flaws, okay? I think it was a great conversation. I think he was fantastic. He it was very interesting speaking to the man of the moment about the very issue that everybody was talking about yesterday for, you know, for a couple of hours there. Everyone was talking about, uh, well, Tucker Carlson. And I asked the man himself, what does this mean? This is Greg Kelly at Mar-a-Lago with President Trump just yesterday afternoon, right when the news broke. Cut 19, please. Mr. President, thank you. Thank you very much. It's good to see you. My honor. So Tucker Carlson was sitting here two weeks ago. Interviewing you, he's gone. What do you make of that? Well, I'm shocked. I'm surprised. Uh, he's a very good person, a very good man, and very talented, as you know. And he had very high ratings. So uh, we're just learning about it almost as we speak. You and I just said, wow, that was something. That's a big one. Uh, I don't know if it was voluntary or was it uh, uh, somebody fired. But I think Tucker's been uh, terrific. He's been especially over the last year or so. He's been terrific to me. There's a lot of turmoil over there, Fox. I mean, 787 they just paid. Why would they get rid of a guy who's performing? Why would somebody do that to their business? Because they're they're losing money right now. Their stock has gone down. Well, I was surprised that they made a settlement on that case. I thought that was a case that uh, should easily be won. And they made a settlement. Look, you'll have to ask them. I'm not... I'm not representing them at all by any by any means, but the Tucker uh, situation again. You don't know if it's a firing. Maybe he left because he wasn't being given his free reign. He wants free reign, maybe. But uh, I was surprised by it. All right. So uh, by the way, it's so cool. All right. You know, every now yeah, I, I'll, I'll grant it. I'm sitting there. I'm talking to President Trump. It's uh, it's amazing. And it's kind of like. If my friends could see me now, remember that moment. But hey, my friends could see me right then and there. It was uh, very special, um, very appreciative. Uh, president offering his time, and uh, I know he was appreciative that we gave him the platform, that we gave him the time to speak. And um, what else? The staff was great. Uh, the book, oh by the way, is really great. Uh, Trump letters to Trump, and uh, we get into that in the interview. But this is important because. I still can't believe it that Donald that uh, Joe Biden is running, and uh, it doesn't seem right. Now let me see here. Where did I ask him about that? Uh, did I? Uh, yes. Here we go. This is cut twenty. Is this really going to happen with Joe Biden? Cut twenty. Joe Biden is said to be on the verge of declaring tomorrow. Maybe 
Uh, do you think that's really going to happen? And if it does, in your gut, do you think he's actually going to be the nominee of the Democrat Party? It seems hard to believe. And I'm not speaking from any standpoint other than I watch him like everybody else watches him. And it certainly seems hard to believe. It seemed hard to believe four years ago, but he was in the basement. And now they're actually doing a tape of the announcement. He's not going to make the announcement. You know, normally you get up and you say, hey, I'm running and uh, wish me luck, everybody. But he uh, he's doing a tape. This way he can do it four or five times so he gets it right. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think a thing like that's ever been done to put it on tape. But it would seem to me... Uh, that somewhere along the line something will happen. It's just, this country is in trouble. We're, we're going to end up in World War III. They're talking nuclear weapons, and we have somebody that doesn't understand what's happening. We've got Ukraine and Russia fighting, and we're being dragged into it. It's going to be a disaster. And they're talking, again, nuclear all over the place. You have uh, China with Taiwan, and they never talked this way when I was there. They knew they couldn't talk that way, and I spoke to President Xi. I got along with him great until COVID, and then I didn't really choose to get along so great. But President Xi of China, he never talked this way, and you never said there was zero chance that Ukraine and Russia would have been doing what they're doing right now. Zero chance that Russia would have gotten in. Uh, I also got along with Putin, and Putin would never have done this. This is shocking. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that in Afghanistan, we look so stupid and so weak when they surrendered in Afghanistan because they actually surrendered. I mean, the way they got out, they left $85 billion worth of equipment, 13 dead soldiers and perhaps thousands of people. I don't know. Nobody has any idea. They say hundreds, but maybe thousands of Americans behind. Nobody's ever seen anything like that. I think it was the most embarrassing moment in the history of our country. Nobody's ever seen anything like that, Greg. And... When Putin looks at that and when uh, all of them, President Xi, Kim Jong-un, when all of them, when they look at this, Iran, they see weakness and they see, you know, they didn't think that was possible coming out of the United States of America. And it wasn't possible with me. I would have had us out, but I would have had us out with dignity. We didn't have one soldier killed in 18 months in Afghanistan. Not one soldier. I spoke to Abdul, the leader. And after that talk, he and I... There wasn't one soldier killed. He understood. Wasn't not one. 18 months. And everybody confirms that, admits that, and can't even believe it. But to get out of Afghanistan the way we did, the most embarrassing moment, and I think that led to a lot of bad things. So, uh, you know, you ask him about, it's all fascinating. It's all brilliant. It's all spot on. I agree with it. And I'm up front with the viewers. I always have it with you, the listeners. You know, I like the policies. I like the style. I like him. I mean, so a lot of folks, uh, they don't tell you how they feel. They don't. They don't. And, uh, they try to make it sound like, oh, they're all about the facts or they're just going to be incredibly neutral. Well, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I support him. I do believe that uh, the Democrats seem to be out to destroy this country. I asked him a little bit about that. You see, you ask one question, and he gives you a tour of the world. And as an interviewer, you're mindful of that. All right, you got to like, okay, you start to at some point feel, okay, am I going to, oh, is he going to talk for the rest of the time? It's okay. It's just something that goes, it really, you know, reporters, uh, anchors like me just need to lighten up and let the man, uh, let the man speak. And he, uh, he never disappoints, really. Uh, hey, I'm going to cut. I already asked him about Joe Biden. He said, I can't believe it's going to happen. I still don't believe he's going to be the nominee. And did you see his little silly uh, video announcement? It is bad. It is divisive. It is dark. It is weird. 
It is, uh, and well, it is. Here it is. Ready? Cut 18, please. This is Joe Biden making it official that he's running for president. Stop. Right off the bat with the creepy, spooky music. And what are they showing? Dark images, uh, January 6th, right? January 6th. Right away, January 6th. What was it four years ago? Charlottesville. Charlottesville. But Charlottesville, they had to up it. They had a. Nobody remembers Charlottesville. So you go to January 6th. It's the worst thing, and Trump's responsible, right? And then he, he managed just, all right, keep going. Freedom. One word, stop. Freedom. Is fu- <laughs> freedom. 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 Just that we're, all, we're not babies anymore. We don't fall for these silly videos. All right, let's listen to a bit more. Cut 18, go. Meddled who we are as Americans. There's nothing more important, nothing more sacred. That's been the work of my first term, to fight for our democracy. This shouldn't be a red revolution. To protect our rights, to make sure that everyone in this country is treated equally and that everyone is given a fair shot at making it. But you know, around the country, MAGA extremists are lining up to take on those bedrock freedoms, cutting Social Security. That you paid for your entire life while cutting taxes for the very wealthy. Stop. It's funny. It's all about freedom. Freedom, right? And the mega Republicans are out to undermine your your personal freedom, your freedom. And then what's the first thing he says? They want to cut Social Security. Well, number one, we don't. And number two, that's not freedom. Okay, that's that's a government program. That's not personal freedom. Amazing how he sees personal freedom as having access to government money. Uh, do we want to listen to this? Is it anything interesting in the news? You'd probably think I'm making it up. It's hard to make up. It, 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 Biden is speaking right now. Uh, no, he's talking about the economy, and uh, I'm not interested. But this is more important. This is his. This is the reason why you should vote for Joe Biden for re-election, huh? This really keep going. Decisions women can make. Banning books. And telling people who they can love. Stop! Oh, I make- this is such a lie, right? When the hell? We're <laughs> banning books. You can get any book you want in America. Yes. Are we concerned about what books they find in children's libraries? We don't believe that pornography should be in the children's libraries. That's not banning books, you liar. Wow. How about that? It's such con- he has a lack of respect for us. Banning books. And what is this about choosing people you love? The Republicans have no... MAGA has no concern. Love whatever the hell you want. Go for it. Just leave the kids out of it. All right? That's the thing. They're trying to make it. You know it was great on this? Rick Grinnell, the first openly gay um, cabinet member ever. No, it's not Pete Buttigieg, actually. It was a MAGA Republican. How about that? This is fear-mongering. This is divisiveness. He is a bad, bad guy. And this ain't going to work. I don't know what's going to happen, but this is not going to work. You know what he's going to get? He's going to get Cuomo'd. Cuomo'd. Yeah, they're going to come after him. The Democrat Party actually is going to take him out. This might have been a rogue thing. He may have gone rogue. Keep going. It's more difficult for you to be able to vote. Voter ID. What's up? That's racist, right? Voter ID? Yeah, right. When I ran for president four years ago, I said we were in a battle for the soul of America. And we still are. Oh. The question we're facing is whether in the years ahead, we have more freedom or less freedom, more rights or fewer. I know what I want the answer to be, and I think. Hey, isn't this the guy who yelled at us when we uh, about the vaccine? 
We're running out of patience. This is a man who's about personal freedom and yelled and screamed that you have to get the vaccination, right? Remember that? Our patience is wearing thin. The government telling you what to put in your body. Something that was invented three weeks before. (laughs) Man, he is really the worst. Anyway, uh, can't can't deliver a uh, speech. It's got to be a clipped up video like this with a hell of a lot of music and a conspicuous lack of diversity, actually. Very little diversity in this. More on that in a moment. Keep going. To be complacent. That's why I'm running for re-election. Because I know America. I know we're good and decent people. I know we're still a country that believes in honesty Stop. and respect. Did he just say he knows America? What does he know about America? The man's been in the United States Senate since he was 29 years old. Since before he was old enough to be a senator, he was a senator, senator-elect. This guy has forgotten everything, everything about what real people go through, everything. Well, what about Donald Trump? He's a billionaire. Oh, you know what? He think, just look it up. All kinds of highs, all kinds of lows. He's had great success. Yes, he's seen businesses suffer. He uh, he almost went bankrupt. He did, right? Remember all that stuff? He talks about it himself. He was at the very bottom, and he got it, He got back up to the top. That's America. You, Joe, on autopilot representing a glorified county. Delaware is basically a county. It's not a state. It's a county. It's smaller than Suffolk County, as uh, we talked about. All right, keep going. I'm getting tired of this. And treating each other with dignity. That we're a dignity, damn it! Where we give hate no safe harbor. We believe that everyone is equal. That everyone should be given a fair shot. Stop. This whole, we give hate no safe harbor. It's, that sounds wonderful, right? That sounds beautiful. Um, it's a euphemism for uh, them stamping out free speech. That's what it is, and telling you what you can say, what you can't say. That's uh, hate, no safe harbor. And oh, by the way, you have to have hate. You do. You have to have hate to have love. You you can't have one without the other. You have to have bad to have good. You can't outlaw this. You can't make. Pe- you can't legislate people to be good. You can't. I mean, you can you can set the standards and you can have punishment for people who violate the law. But this is very sinister, weird stuff. No safe harbor for hate. It sounds beautiful. It's not. Keep going. Here comes the music. Every generation of Americans have faced a moment when they have to defend democracy. Stand up for our personal freedom. Stand up for the right to vote and our civil rights. Huh? And this is our moment. Ooh. And now it looks like any any video I've ever seen on Instagram. Just people smiling and clapping. Joe fake running. Lots of people of color. I don't understand. I mean, so if you're with me. If you're a white person, it doesn't seem like you're... Oh, there's one white guy in the background. Let's finish this job. I know we can. Yeah. Because this is the United States of America. Oh. There's nothing, simply nothing we cannot do if we do it together. Has he looked around lately? Has he looked around? We are a country in decline, and it's going to be ruined if this guy gets four more years. But it's not going to happen. Even the Democrats know. All right, more on my fascinating conversation with and my experience down there in Mar-a-Lago. What a place. I'll be right back.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, I've been around um, a president or two and a former president or two. When you're around Trump, it's like you're around uh, somebody who's somehow more important than the president. That's it's 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 very interesting. It's I don't quite understand it, but he is, you know, the what's the phrase larger than life. Larger than life. And as far as the presidency, yeah, he's an ex-president at, for the time being. Um, but he has all the stuff that presidents have. I mean, you know, he had this magnificent compound, Mar-a-Lago, security all over the place, staff all over the place. Um, that's, quite frankly, the trappings of a head of state. And he's had that stuff for a long time, for decades, actually. It's one of the reasons why... Um, I think he was so good at being president. There was no learning curve. You know, Bill Clinton, man, can you believe I got Air Force One all to myself? I got a helicopter. I'd never even been on a helicopter. You know, Trump had this helicopter when he was 35 years old. He was flying around on his own helicopter. That made a makes a big difference. Uh, let's see. All right. So, look, I have friends out there who love DeSantis, um, and they're very upset about, oh, wow, Trump is uh, he's so mean to DeSantis. You know what? It's politics, all right? This ain't beanbag, they say. And, um, you know, DeSantis wants his job. He wants to be the next president. It's really, I think it's very disloyal of DeSantis because if you look back, and there is an amazing commercial on TV. Actually, do me a favor. Let's see if we can get that. I have it right here. I'm going to send it to you, uh, Diego, about about DeSantis and all the stuff. He copied Trump. He, um, the, he There would be no DeSantis without Trump. There would be no DeSantis without Trump. There would be no Governor DeSantis without Trump. Uh, so I asked him, oh, shoot, we're out of time. Now, that was interesting. because I, I, He was taken aback. I said, could Ron DeSantis be a good president someday? Someday. Not in 2024, not, maybe in 2028, 2032. Because let's face it, the guy's got some talent, right? And uh, his, his reaction was very interesting. All right, more on that when I come back. There's the music. Apologies. Be right back. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, it had to be the worst, most dishonest, weirdest uh, campaign announcement from Joe Biden. And I'm looking at four, five talking heads on MSNBC right now. 
and they're all just repeating it and saying, yeah, this is great. He's building on his success. Excellent. Yes, yes, all, all right. right. What do they do when it's Trump? You know what I mean? Oh, this is a threat to everything. This is a threat to humanity, democracy. Uh, every, they're just supporting him. What about, what are, what are they, that, that phrase they use, an in-kind contribution? Uh, the mainstream media, basically everything they do is of benefit. And I think you can put a dollar sign on it, maybe a trillion dollars. This is a benefit for, uh, Joe Biden. Interesting. You know, that, announcement was so vapid so void of specific ideas of policy of anything it was just music and fear and trying to make people happy then trying to make him scared and trying to make him look like he's vibrant when he's not you know i'm sorry but how many 80 year olds are jogging all right it took the with the 30 seconds that he was jogging over the past two and puts it in the commercial that's not hey something i actually wish i asked president trump maybe we need to have six-year terms for president Six-year terms, because after two years, it's time to run for re-election. Now, thank God uh, Joe Biden doesn't have a six-year term. But is that something we got to think about? Um, I don't like that the permanent swamp, you know, they're in power, and our elected leaders come and go. I know everybody likes term limits, but you got to remember, um, it's the unelected uh, powerful uh, people that you got to be worried about. Uh, let's see. No, I asked him about... Oh, I asked him about DeSantis, all right? We were just talking about Here is it. Here it is. Ready? Cut 23. Ron DeSantis, do you think he could be a good president someday in like eight years, 16 years? I mean, you endorsed him once. He's got some talent. You're kind of crushing him right now. Someday, could he be president? Well, I endorsed him once, and he was losing badly. And because of the endorsement, he won in a landslide the following, literally the following day. Look, right now I'm very down on him. Uh, I'm a believer in loyalty and I'm a believer in other things. And he has obviously not run a very good campaign because he's getting he's getting crushed. So I really don't know. I don't know him. You know, I don't know him that well. Uh, I agreed to endorse him. He came over to see me. Uh, he was one of 100 people that fought a little bit on the impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two. They were hoaxes. They were just hoaxes. And based on that, I did it because I didn't know the people he was running against. He was running against a man that was way up in the polls, leading by a massive amount. That election was over. When I endorsed him, the election was over in Ron's favor. I mean, it, it was Ron was getting ready to quit. So I don't know. I, I'm very disappointed in him because I'm a, a loyal person, maybe to a fault. I'm a loyal person. And somebody gets you into office and the, then you're telling people, well, I don't know if I'll run against the president. You know what I mean? Life shouldn't have to work that way, but it does, and that's okay, too. A lot of people said loyalty doesn't mean anything. To me, loyalty means a lot. Wow. Uh, it's interesting. It's a fascinating way. It's all honest. It's candid. But he leaves himself wiggle room. Like, I'm very down on DeSantis right now, which I get it. He should be. I mean, the guy is moving in on, on his territory. Look, as a former president, as somebody who can be the future president, he's Ron DeSantis should not be running for president. If he, the moment that Trump indicated he was running, uh, I think DeSantis. Look, what what the hell's a rush? He's forty three, forty two, forty four, whatever he is. Um, now that doesn't mean you see. Oh, it's interesting. He doesn't know him that well, but he did kind of leave the uh, the window open. Like someday, someday, four years from now, maybe you know, but not now. Um. All right. Hey, what did you guys think, quite frankly? All right. Uh, enough about me. What do you think of me, Maria? Short Hills, New Jersey. Hi, Maria. Hi, 
Hi, Greg. I just wanted to comment on your great interview last night with President Trump. What struck me from, like, within five minutes was how respectful you were to the president and how intense you were listening to his answers to your questions. You know, not all journalists, and certainly when President Trump was in the White House, were respectful to President Trump, and you were, and you deserved this great interview, because I'm going to say something, and I'm not trying to kiss you or you know what. <laughs> uh, Greg Kelly, you are a nice guy. About 12 years ago, my daughter and I were on television with you when you co-hosted with Rosanna. Mm. And my daughter at that time was 17 years old. I'm not going into, because it's too long of a story, why we were on TV with you and Rosanna. But the poor kid was like a wreck. Her knees were shaking. You came up to us before our segment. You calmed her down. You are a nice guy, Greg Kelly, and you deserve everything that is good. Wow. And you know what? You know what, Maria? Um, you, the way you just talked and actually and now you, you, I'm remembering. I have a feeling I interviewed you on an anniversary of 9-11. Is that true? No. Oh, no, shoot. No, <laughs> okay. no. I thought I, I was going to tell you, but it, it's too long of a story. Mm. But was I'm it outdoors? You, you did were, I did I so wait? Calm. Wait, did I interview you outdoors? No, it was hmm. in, in the studio. All right. Um well, uh, anyway, yeah, thank you very much for that. And, you know, I, quite frankly, I agree with you. Uh, the nice guy part, I'm not talking about that, but it's true. But the thing about yeah, respectful, and I was, I'm genuinely interested. And the questions I thought were, uh, interesting, but not confrontational. You know, they were, they were, they were, I, 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 they were interesting questions. And by definition, the responses were going to be interesting. What else, what else about it? You know, I don't know if you noticed, but I wasn't there with a great big pad of paper or, you know, the, uh, all kinds of material. And I noticed just about everybody has all kinds of papers in front of them. I think it's better to just kind of, you know, know the topics generally that you want to ask and then just kind of look at the man and assess and listen and listen. It's important to listen. This guy, I tell you what, he listens. Uh, he is intense. He is intense. Maria, so kind of you. Many, many thanks. And one of these days, you're going to have to tell me the backstory of what you were doing on the Good Day New York show, which, oh, by the way, he talked about yesterday. He's like, and I loved you on Channel 5 and Rosanna and the two of you together. It's a great show. And now it's really, it was really special. Uh, thank you very, very much. Hey, what do we think of the Tucker situation? Uh, Tucker's going to be fine. I, to be honest, I like Tucker. I really, given my schedule, I don't watch his show. Really couldn't watch his show, but I liked that he was out there doing what he was doing. You know, he was on this program um, two summers ago promoting his book, Wonderful Conversation. I consider him an ally, and I like him. Um, you know, don't cry for Tucker Carlson, okay? I mean, $20 million a year. Hey, excuse me. Everybody has a boss, all right? And sooner, you know, nothing's forever. And um, if you're if you run a company and you want to take it in this direction and your employee keeps doing something, whatever, you own the company, you know, if you're an employee, that's, that's why you want to buy real estate, okay? <laughs> so someday you don't have to work for somebody. Hey, look at Trump. Has he ever had a boss, right? He's always in, that's, I think that's the way to do it. Part two, uh, the next life, uh, maybe, but I have been very grateful, very good bosses over the years. Um, should we do, let's just see if there's anything else. Oh, I asked him about, uh, who is really running the world? Who is really running the country? And I thought that way. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, good question, right? Let's see what he says. Cut 31. 
Who's running the country right now? It doesn't seem to be Joe Biden. Susan Rice, I hear, just left, but, you know, there are other people. Who do you think is running the I country? I think it's a little group, a small group of people that are very smart, very radical left, probably Marxists, and they're running our country into the ground, and they're using uh, law enforcement, and they're using uh, the DOJ and the FBI as retribution, something that has never happened anywhere near what's going on right now. What they're doing in terms of DOJ, FBI, law enforcement to politics is nobody's ever seen anything like it. I mean, there has never been a this is Marxism. This is communism. What they're doing, if it doesn't stop. I mean, look, our country's in serious trouble anyway. But that is something and that's the way they're going to try and win the elections, by the way, because they can't win. They can't win the elections. Their policies are horrible. Nobody wants open borders. Nobody wants 15 million people, because I really believe that's the real number. By the end of this year, I believe we have will let through, over a short period of time, 15 million, that's bigger than New York, 15 million people. Nobody wants these things. Nobody wants high taxes, high interest rates, high energy prices. Nobody wants that. You can't win on those issues. The only way you can win is by cheating. And what they're doing now is they're weaponizing law enforcement in order to cheat, just like they did the whole mail-in thing, and they'll continue to do that. But they're weaponizing law enforcement in order to cheat. It's frankly the only way they can win, because their policies are losers. All right, good for him. Hey, the book, I want to come back to the book. If you like Trump, I think you should get this book, Letters to Trump. And everybody's in there. And look, he's very, very honest. Uh, He doesn't like everybody. (laughs) He has a letter from John McCain. And what does he say about John McCain? I did not like John McCain. I don't like people who like John McCain. I thought that was, whoa, really? (laughs) And then he goes, uh, but I was a nice guy to John McCain. I did a lot. You know, he died, and the family asked me, and I gave him the longest funeral ever, 11 days. It was endless, just like his wars. (laughs) I just, I just, what, that, it's, uh, that's, that's pretty damn funny. All right. It is. I'm sorry. It is. Uh, let's see. What else was really funny? Uh, he has this line in here. Is a picture of Bill Clinton and uh, him and a couple of other guys. Rudy Giuliani's in the picture, and they're golfing. And it's uh, it's a, he has a little essay on Bill Clinton. And now uh, Bill Clinton and I, we got along. He liked me, and I liked uh, him. And we both did not like Hillary. Just kidding. That's <laughs> literally in the book. Just kidding. It is funny. It's insightful, though. And you learn. Did you know Bob Hope was a great investor? Apparently, yeah. They, these little sidebars that, you know, in the eighties, and that was like the heyday of this book. There are a lot of letters, thank you notes to him from other very important people back in the nineteen eighties, like Kirk Douglas. And I was just kind of wondering about it. And I asked this guy Sergio, who helped President Trump assemble the book. Nobody writes letters like this, number one, and anymore, it doesn't seem like. And there was this kind of camaraderie that existed. And yeah, even among like famous people, and it didn't matter if they were. I'm like, why doesn't that exist anymore? I don't think it does. I, I And we kind of came up with the conclusion that back then, in the 80s at least, or before reality TV, I mean the bad reality TV, the Real Housewives, the Kardashians, that kind of stuff, um... To be well-known, you had to have skill. You had to have talent. You had to be really good at something. And they all kind of respected each other because they did the work to get into this very exclusive club. And now, (laughs) 
you make a spectacle out of yourself for 18 seconds and, uh, and you can be in the club. But do you think somebody with real talent, you know, do you think, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is going to want to hang out with you? No, I don't think so. Not that it's all that to hang out with Leonardo DiCaprio, but look, culture changes. That's fine. Oh, I did notice this in the book. He also, you know, he sticks up for the underdog. Uh, there are a lot of people in the book who you'd be surprised. Why are they in this book? Let me see. Where did I ask him about the underdog? Can you look that phone? Is it 28? Uh, try, try 28. So the book is a delight. It's funny. It's, um, it's interesting. It's surprising. Ted Kennedy was a friend of yours. I mean, you corresponded. Well, actually, before I get to that, a lot of people change their tune regarding you. Do you think they do that because they're hypocrites or because they knew you when you were less political? Well, in the book, it's, you see it where I get letters from a lot of people. I won't use their names now, but I get letters from a lot of people that, you know, you would read uh, over the last three or four years. When I, once I announced for president and not even win, just the mere announcement, they went from being like big supporters and fans and friends to very standoffish uh, and worse. And that's okay. Look, I did this because America is failing. We're a failing nation. And we are going down the tubes. This country is in trouble. And every policy they have, we were energy independent just three years ago. We had so much energy, we didn't know what to do with it. We were, we were selling energy to Europe and to everybody. We were going to be double the size of Russia. Think of this, of Russia and Saudi Arabia put together, double the size. We're going to make a fortune. We're going to start paying off debt. We were a money machine, and we were an energy machine. And now we take the worst energy there is. It's called from Venezuela. It's tar. And we refine it in Houston. It's heavy, horrible stuff. And we take it out of Venezuela. This is unthinkable that we're dealing with Venezuela in that way. So... Look, what's happened to our country is absolutely incredible. And I say this, I'll say this a lot, and I'm starting to change the number. You could take the five worst presidents in the history of our country and add them all up, and at the end they haven't done the damage that Joe Biden's done to our country. And now I'm starting to say, but I'm going to change the number five to ten, because you could take the ten worst presidents. There's nothing like this has ever happened to our country. And they're allowing people into our country who are criminals, who are from prisons and mental institutions. And they are going to do tremendous damage. This isn't going to just be ending when you get rid of Biden. Now, does Biden even know what's happening? I don't think so. I don't think so. But they are very good at two things, disinformation and cheating on elections. <laughs> That's what they do. You saw the disinformation with this new revelation that this was incredible, that 51 intelligence agents totally lied. I think it's treason. They totally lied just before the election, right before the vote. They lied and they said that the computer, which had all crimes on it, was Russian disinformation. 51 top people, the top people in the country, they lied. I actually think it's treasonous. And by the way, that's just another way that they cheated on the election. They, they cheated in many ways. You know, uh, you see, when you design an interview, uh, when you're about to meet with President Trump, you have to anticipate, you know, you can ask him about one thing and then he'll answer it. But then he's off and running. All right. And he may in the next uh, in his answer, 
like answer your next two questions. All right. So it's a, it's a challenge. It's a unique challenge. And I, I enjoy it very much. I really enjoyed his company too. Very nice, very gracious and his entire staff as well. Oh, I'm against the break. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, so uh, Tucker got fired, uh, looks like, by Fox News. And uh, I am reminded uh, by a couple of you guys out there, Robert in Suffolk, you just sent me this note, um, that, yeah, remember when Schumer went totally bananas on the floor of the United States Senate, yelling and screaming about Fox News and Rupert Murdoch? It's a This is the majority leader of the United States Senator, uh, the United States Senate, Reacting to a cable news show that was on the night before. This is, this has got to have an effect. This is this why Tucker Carlson is gone from Fox News. Let me hear this. Last night, millions of Americans tuned in to one of the most shameful hours. By the way, ever seen. This is about, this is about what, two months ago, right? Two months ago after he aired some of the 40,000 foot uh, minutes of uh, footage from January 6th. Keep going television with contempt for the facts disregard of the risks and knowing full well he was lying lying to his audience fox news host tucker carlson ran a lengthy segment last night arguing the january 6th capital attack was not a violent insurrection uh by the way uh tucker was right you're wrong you're wrong chuck you are wrong. And listen to you lie your ass off, you bastard. Sorry about that. Sorry. I shouldn't get that worked up, but that's, I mean, this guy, what is this? Is the government, can, the government, why the hell is he, what difference does it make what's said on cable TV? He's the majority leader of the United States Senate. And you know what? He's got power. And this is, this is the corrupt use of power right here. Capital attack was not a violent insurrection. By diving deep into the waters of conspiracy and cherry-picking from thousands of hours of security footage, Mr. Carlson told the bold-faced lie that the Capitol attack, which we all saw with our own eyes, was somehow not an attack at all. Yeah, it was an inside job. He tried to argue it was nothing more than a peaceful sightseeing tour. Except for what Antifa did. A nonviolent demonstration a perfectly fine and appropriate instance of people expressing their opinion. Yeah, until the Capitol Police I, threw smoke grenades into so the crowd. So many others who were here in the Capitol, and millions and millions of Americans are just furious. Furious. With Tucker Carlson and Kevin McCarthy today. So the government, the government is furious about freedom of speech. You can't say things we disagree with. Or you can't say things, so you, obviously that's, you can't, that doesn't work. So they brand it lies. It's lies, and it's a threat to democracy. That's just an effort for them to illegalize the freedom of speech. By the way, there's never been an explanation as to why the Capitol Police were leading around the horns guy. Remember the horns guy, Jacob Chansley? Right this way, Mr. Chansley. Oh, okay, now now this way, Mr. Chansley. Come with us, Mr. Chansley. Let's bring you to the Senate, Mr. Chansley. The horns guy was escorted all around the Capitol that day. Why is that? Why aren't you demanding those answers, Chuck? Huh? <laughs> Why was Brian Sicknick alive when they told us he was dead? Huh? He died of natural causes when they told us he was killed by MAGA with a fire extinguisher. 
And now Tucker Carlson is no longer at Fox News. Hmm. Because it looks to me like the government demanded it. The government said jump, and Rupert Murdoch said how high? Huh. Free country? Free country. Doesn't feel that free, does it? I got people whispering to me that they like Trump. Hey, I like Trump, too. Keep doing what you're doing. We Say it. Just say it. Hey, listen, I'm sorry to get all the calls. Sandra, you're on my list. I will be back soon. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Very, very rarely in life has anyone expressed a regret for not having worried enough, right? If only I had worried more, uh, everything would be better. <laughs> we always worry too much. Uh, fortunately, I kind of learned that lesson a long time ago. Kind of. I haven't totally mastered it. Worry creeps in from time to time. Um, but it actually kind of creeped in yesterday. You know, oh boy, you're interviewing the president. You're interviewing the president. You're interviewing President Trump. And everybody all around you tends to freak out. All right. It's such a big deal. And you can let that, you know, whatever it is, you know, the boss is coming. Oh my God, the boss is coming. Okay. Well, let's relax and make sure, uh, we do our jobs because that's kind of what the boss wants. Right. Right. We no, no. And we're not going to do our best if we're all freaked out about, uh, the boss coming. So just focus on the task at hand. Uh, yeah, worry does not bring about much. Hey, you know who actually talks about this? Jesus. It's in the Bible. Uh, the cure for all anxiety is actually labeled anxiety, how unnecessary it is. And um, uh, you're supposed to focus on the day at hand. Tomorrow has enough trouble on its own. And um, I don't know. It's very there's something in there for all occasions, everything you might be going through. Um, what else? Oh, the Proud Boys. Uh, some of these guys, the trial could be coming to a close soon. What are they accused of? I mean, <laughs> it's Enrique. What's his name? Enrique Tatario. Uh, Enrique Tario. He's the head of the Proud Boys. The white supremacist Proud Boys, except he's black. Okay, right. All right. They're not white supremacist. Okay, they're not what they have said. They've been so lied about. Um, one of the things he was in Baltimore during all of this. Um, he did some time in jail. Guess what? For burning a Black Lives Matter flag. He burned a Black Lives Matter flag. If only he had burned an American flag, he would not have gone to jail. So Enrique Tario, um, you know, you're allowed to say things. You're allowed to believe things. And one of the things these guys are in trouble for is talking about, you ready? 1776. You're not allowed to say 1776. Only, I guess, in certain contexts. <laughs> it must be nostalgia only. Not even nostalgia. It has to be, it, you have to be talking about the year 1776. You have to be. Now, forget that Air Force One, the name of Air Force One, the presidential jet for a time was the Spirit of 76. They wrote it right on the jet. And now talking about 1776 is tantamount to calling for a revolution, right? You can't say anything about 1776. What are they so scared of, huh? Uh, I, look, there's, I haven't gone through all the evidence. I haven't gone through all the affidavits. I haven't gone through this. But uh, from what I can see, they don't have a case. These guys did not do what they're alleged to have done. And I notice everything the prosecutor says, it's always emotion, laden with emotion. And at the behest of Donald Trump, they advocated the overthrow. No, I don't think so. 
you, you, they have to make it sound as bad as possible. Um, hey, one of the reasons why Tucker, and who knows? I mean, are we making too much of this thing? I mean, for crying out loud, he's a cable news host, all right? I mean, I like the guy a lot. Is it too much? Maybe, but that's eh, interesting. People are talking about it. Um, Wall Street Journal is reporting and a couple of others that the stuff on his cell phone may have done him in. You know, he had to turn it over because they were being sued and apparently he was bad mouthing people. And um, he may have uh, had disagreements with his guests that he did not mention on air. Uh, guess what? Uh, everybody, you know, your cell phone is is basically a record of your brain, right? I mean, I, Alan Dershowitz once told me that the founding fathers would never, ever, ever have thought it would, would be uh, reasonable to search a cell phone. That is, by definition, unreasonable it's an unreasonable search and that's right in there it's in the constitution we have protections against an unreasonable search and your phone i mean the stuff it's it's your brain it's essentially a record of the stuff and let's face it we all think weird stuff from time to time contradictory we love our friends but sometimes we complain about our friends and we you know there's all kinds of stuff in there not meant for public consumption if you guys could hear what was going on in my brain half the time i mean Right, everybody's got this. It's okay. Uh, they went into his cell phone. Is that one of the reasons why he's uh, they're getting rid of him? Uh, what about? And by the way, the, here's another reason why. Right, he's fine. He's going to start his own podcast. He's going to start a media company. He'll go back to the Daily Wire, maybe. Who knows? But he's going to be around for. He may even run for president. He might just run for president. But did you notice something? Uh, no goodbye. No goodbye for 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 uh, Tucker. No goodbye for Don Lemon. <laughs> Let's talk about Don Lemon for a moment. He put out this big statement. I am stunned. I am stunned that they fired me. I, it must have been a typo. I think he meant stoned. I am stoned. That would explain a lot. Uh, stunned that they fired. And look, uh, dude, I don't. <laughs> we were just watching on TV. We're not surprised you got fired. Okay. You were, uh, you were making everybody angry, especially your co-hosts, especially management, and guests, everybody. And uh, the Republican Party, women, you name it, uh, you were on thin ice and you're stunned. What does that say about your powers of observation as a journalist? Come on. And then, um, oh, this is what really did him in, though. You know, everything else, everything else he said on air, I think, was defendable. Even the stuff about Nikki Haley, which I don't agree with. You know, you get into hot water sometimes for the stuff you say. And if you could say, well, I was just saying that she's past childbearing years. Okay, fine. You can say that and you can you can feel the retribution of the audience. You can feel the wrath, but I can see you surviving that because, hey, you're just trying to be, you know, hey, I'm just being, I'm just being frank here. But this, I believe, is why he got fired, and it doesn't matter, right? I mean, what is your life not not as full because Don Lemon is not on some show over there? Uh, but anyway, these are the things that we sometimes talk about. And uh, all right, so Don, this is where he got into big trouble. He had Vivek Ramatswamy on. Have you seen him? Successful businessman, very smart guy, uh, said to be worth close to a billion dollars. He's running for president. I think it's very premature. I think it's a bit of a, you know, a bit of a lark. But he's a bright guy with a lot of interesting ideas. And he showed up on the Don Lemon show, and Don Lemon went all racist on him. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, let's listen. 
So With due respect, I find, I find your explanation reductive and actually insulting, including to black Americans, to say that black people today, compared to 1964, 1865, haven't made progress in part because of the freedoms we secured. And the Second Amendment was black part people, of what secured Hang on, please. Freedom. I cannot keep a thought if you guys are talking to me in my ear. So uh, hang on one second. So to say that, that black people, say, say what you said again. Black people secured their freedoms after the Civil War. It is a historical fact, Don. Just study it. Only after their Second Amendment Black rights were secured. They were not secured their freedoms after the Civil War. That is not, you're, you are discounting uh, uh, Reconstruction. You're discounting a whole host of things that happened after the Civil War when it comes to African Americans, including the whole reason that the Civil Rights Movement happened is because black people did not secure their freedoms after the Civil War, and that things turned around. People would, tried to change the freedoms that were supposed and to And you know how they the got it? They got their Second Amendment rights, and they actually got, the NRA played a big role in that. But today, down the final... The NRA did the, not play a big role in that. Absolutely, they trained that black Americans how to use firearms. That's a lie. That's but, not. The NRA actually, did not play a big role in This is just historical fact. It's not a historical fact. The part that I find... because you say it's historical fact. The part that I find insulting is when you say today black Americans don't have those rights after we have the gone through that civil rights revolution in this country. You are sitting here telling an African American about the rights and what you find insulting about the the, the way I live, the skin I live in every day. Here's and where I you and know I have the a freedoms point that black and white that black people don't have in this he, country, here, and that black people do have. Well, here's country. where you and I have a different point of view. I think we should be able to express our views regardless of the color of our skin. We should have this debate I'm not saying you without me regarding views, you as a black man, insulting that but me regarding you as a fellow citizen. You're sitting here, whatever ethnicity you are. That's it right there. Stop. That's it. Whatever ethnicity you are, that is where he crossed a major line. Whatever ethnicity you are, that was very uh, nasty. I mean, who talks like that? And uh, Vivek Ramaswamy was insulted. Keep going. That you're That's sitting what here, whatever ethnicity you are, explaining to me whatever ethnicity about I'm, what it's like to be black Whatever America. ethnicity I'm I am, sorry. I'll tell you what I am. I'm an Indian American. I'm proud of it. But I think we should have this debate. Black, white, doesn't matter. I think we should have this on debate. On the content of the ideas. Do it, you should do it in an honest way and in a I fair think, way. And what you're doing is not in an honest and fair way. Okay? It, with, we appreciate you coming on. With Thank due respect, Don, I look forward to continuing that conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Papa. We'll talk about China. Yes, let's talk about China. Next time you come back. Oh, thank you. Much to say on declaring independence from China. Okay, something you can add. Thank you. Thank you. Well, can we move on now, please? Thank you. Uh, Poppy Harlow didn't like. I mean, just whatever ethnicity you are, and the whole thing. You know, he says, "Oh, as a black man, you know, how can you say this? Because I'm black. You know, falling back to the color of your skin. If I said as a white man, you can't know. I mean." You can it's just a terrible thing to say, to say that the color of one's skin dictates how one thinks or what one knows. You could say, based on my research, or yes, based on my life experience, you could say something like that. But being black, being white, being Asian, being, I mean, and uh, what do you think, right? So uh, goodbye, Don. You had it coming. I'm sorry. You had it coming. A long time coming. They gave you every chance. They even sent you to... Didn't they send him to anger management therapy class or something like that? Uh, so he's another guy who just disappears. And that happens all the time in TV. They're on TV one day and they're off the next. Tucker Carlson, <laughs> number one show in the world. We thank him for his services and wish him well. Uh, let's see. Who else did that happen to? Uh, Shepard Smith. Uh, goodbye, everybody. I will not be back tomorrow. Um, Don Lemon. Poof. Gone. Uh, this is how it usually works. You know where it didn't uh, work that way? Greg Kelly. Yes. When I left the Good Day New York show, it was a beautiful, beautiful occasion. 
We had a parade. My parents came by. My fiance was there. We had a big retrospective in the first hour, another in the second hour. Rosanna started to cry a little bit. And uh, quite frankly, that's the way it should be done. Um, uh, but then again, you know what? I mean, you know, it's probably people get fired. You know, Don's Don Lemon is upset that his agent told him that he was fired. What do you want? You want to get escorted out by HR? You think that's any better? <laughs> What's wrong with you? What's the matter with you? Uh, Robert in Suffolk. Hello. Hi, Greg. Thanks for taking my call. Did you hear Schumer's comment after the Fox settlement was announced? No. Oh, you got to hear it, man. Did you because see? Did you hear what he said? I played the thing. What he said when he had that show. What did he say? Uh, I think he used the words that we have to regulate the press or something like that. You got to hear this, man. Like what they hold on, hold on. No, media. let me see if I found it. Uh, uh, Schumer is taking steps a new framework. He plans innovation while enhancing security guardrails. Okay, hold on a second. I'm trying to find. Let me find this. Okay, I'm very curious to see what he said. That's what they're thinking about doing. Robert, thank you for that. Thank you for getting me to thinking about Schumer. I'm going to find this Schumer. Uh, let me go to Sandra now for a moment while I look for this Chuck Schumer stuff. Hi, Sandra. Welcome back. Hi, Greg. Um, I wanted to say. How extremely proud of you I am. You you know, you had this honor given to you that was so well-deserved. You did such a great job. You were so gentle in asking him sensitive questions that he was so happy to answer. And it was just, it was just a wonderful thing to see. So his book, number one on Amazon, you know, I was, I was looking um, at it on the post. And then, you know, after that, they have people commenting. So one person said something not so nice. He was going, standard Trump, yay me, look at all the nice things about me, blah, blah, blah. Do you want to hear what I answered? And tell me if you think it was good. I answered, I think it's a good reminder to let us all know all the people who admired Donald Trump since he was literally cut from media with censorship. He's a very smart man who is trying to protect his good reputation from being ruin for mean people who are trying to diminish him. So that's what I wrote back. Do you think that was good? I love it. I'm sorry. Who did you write back to again? Okay. In the post, they no. had an article about his new book. Oh, okay. So and, have a... and, and who did you write? Just tell me who you wrote to. Oh, to the New York Post. Oh, okay, I, good. I put my name. They'll probably put it in the paper, music. too. They'll probably put it in the paper. Why? Who at the New York Post criticized it? Oh no! They give you a. Ch- I don't. I don't even remember that. All right, don't worry. Yeah, I think your comments are beautiful, and I hope they get in the paper. They have a tendency of uh, publishing. They 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 will write up your article, uh, your little letter. They'll put it in. All right, hold on. Thank you, Sandra. I think I got the line from. This is Schumer. Is this Schumer about regulating things? Here he is in the aftermath of the news of, of Tucker Carlson being dismissed. Uh, go ahead. Look, Fox needs to reckon with the lies that it spread, and it may literally have to pay for the lies that it spread. But is it the role of government officials to demand that media organizations say things or tell media organizations what to put on their airwaves? Well, you know, it's hardly the first time that people have said Channel 4 should have done this, the New York Times should have done that. That's not unusual. But what has happened here is, and John, very unusual. This is not simply telling them what to do. This is telling them, showing them, 
that they have hurt our democracy probably way that no other actor, maybe with the exception of Donald Trump, who used them, um, uh, has done. And so when it's that vital, I think we not only have a right to tell Rupert Murdoch and Fox what to do, but an obligation. And I hope people from one end of the country to the other will call up Fox and say, do what uh, leader Hakeem Jeffries and I asked for, which is stop the lies, say they were wrong. Now, there's a, this is going too far. This has gone like an obligation to tell them what to do, to tell them what to do. You can ask. You can't tell. And there's a, there's a kind of a sense that he's ordering them what to do. And that's un-American. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. When you revoke their security clearances, a lot of these people still, they're contractors, they're still intelligence professionals, and they have access to our secrets. Should they lose that? The security clearance of every one of those people should be immediately revoked. Absolutely. I love it. Little news chunk in my conversation from my conversation with President Trump, talking about those 51 uh, present and former bureaucrats, intelligence community people, uh, who are taking revenge on Donald Trump. They said you can take a revenge a million different ways from Sunday. I think Chuck Schumer, if they don't like you, they will take revenge on you. And they did with Donald Trump. Wow. But uh, I think he's going to get the last laugh. All those guys should lose their security clearances. Um, what else? Hey, isn't it ridiculous that this maniac, uh, what's her name? E. Jean Carroll, who everybody kind of knows, she floats around New York. She like, you know, writes an article for some website once every two years. And she is, I mean, what's the, what's the phrase? A whack job. And she's the one who's alleged that Donald Trump assaulted her back in the mid 1990s. The only thing is, um, there's proof that they knew each other in 1987. And, And according to her complaint, she says that uh, we just met. I had just we had just met for the first time. You can look it up. She says, "Oh, you're." Anyway, it's ludicrous. The whole thing is ludicrous, and and she's a ludicrous woman. I'm sorry. This is a dangerous notion she has. Here she is on CNN a while back, outlining. Uh, you know, she's saying Donald Trump did something to her. But listen to what she says about the ugliest thing that can happen: rape. Listen to what she says about that. Oh shoot! There's the music. Well. You know what she says? She likes it. And it's sexy and it's romantic. Obviously, it's none of those things. It's a horrible, horrible violation. Uh, but to hear her say it out loud and to realize that they're actually taking her seriously and a jury has just been seated to hear her outlandish claims against the president. Give me a moment, please. Many thanks. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, I'm making a resolution. No more Fritos for the rest of the year. All right, no more Fritos. No more Fritos. It's a tough one for me. I love Fritos. I love uh, the original Frito recipe. Last night, getting back from Palm Beach, this is a this is how much of a Frito freak I am. I get in very late. It's after midnight. It's like one thirty in the morning. I'm in the terminal. Jet blue, walking down, and you know how they have these. Well, the restaurants that are closed, they're like, they're like food bars and they're closed, but they've got the snacks hanging right there. And you know what they had? They had like a, uh, an extra large, uh, kind of like more than a lunch size, less than a grocery store version of Fritos. 
It's like a, I don't know, a, a large pack of Doritos, but you can't find these. You know what I did? I om- om- I didn't do it, but I almost went behind the counter with nobody working there and took a bag, and my plan was to leave $10. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I wasn't going to steal anything, but uh, that would have been a lot. That just would have been ridiculous. Anyway, we have Fritos down the block, down the down the hall here, and I've just devoured another um, – I think my fourth little bag, 160 calories. That adds up, all right? They're too salty. They're too good. No more Fritos for me, all right? Can you help me on this one? I hope so. Um, hey, oh, did we play that freaky E. Jean Carroll? We haven't yet, right? All right, so here he is. This is the woman who's, well, she's, I'm sorry, but she needs help, desperately needs help. She's suing Trump. She says she was sexually assaulted by Donald Trump. She's lying. Or possibly she's just, um, uh, delusional, and she imagined it all. Uh, she's not right, this person. Here she is on CNN, and look how fast CNN gets the hell out of this because they know they have a maniac on their hands. You don't feel like a victim. I was not thrown on the ground and ravished, which the word rape carries so many sexual connotations. This was not, this was not sexual. It just, it, it hurt. It just, what, it just, you know. Well, I think most people think of rape as a, I mean, it is a violent assault. It is not. I a think most people rape. think of rape as being sexy. Mm. Let's take a short break. Think of the fantasies. Mm. We're going to take a quick break. If you can stick around, we'll talk more on the other side. You're fascinating to talk to. Let's get the hell out of this. We have a uh, anti-Trump person, but she's about to make an idiot out of herself, and she's making, <laughs> raising grave questions about her sanity and credibility. Let's go to a commercial break right away. See how that works? See how that works? Anderson Cooper. Anderson Cooper. I remember he had this woman on from, uh, what was she, the mayor of Las Vegas, and she was not exactly, you know, the answers weren't perfect, and she was a little bit old school, and Anderson just milked it, milked it, exploited it. Here was a woman from another era, spoke a bit more bluntly, and he was, you know, smart, whippersnapper, you know, totally woke, totally cool, knows where all the boundaries are. Anderson Cooper just trying to get her into all kinds of trouble. And how quickly did he dump out of that? One more time, one more time, E. Jean Carroll. I feel like a victim. I was not thrown on the ground and ravished, which the word rape carries so many sexual connotations. This was not, this was not sexual. It just, it, it hurt. It just, what, it just, you know. Well, I think most people think of rape as a, I mean, it is a violent assault. It is not. I think most people think of rape as being sexy. Mm. Let's take a short break. Think of the fantasies. Mm. We're going to take a quick break. If you can stick around, we'll talk more on the other side. You're fascinating to talk to. <laughs> All right. Anderson obviously doing the bidding of uh, the Democrats, uh, anti-Trump. I will say this about Anderson. Uh, for a rich kid, pretty boy, he does take risks. And he went to Iraq a whole bunch of times. And uh, when he's not political, he's actually uh, he's actually a pretty good uh, storyteller. Yeah, he's a pretty good storyteller. What was the other thing that we needed to do? Oh, did Joe Biden just tell another big whopper of a lie on his uh, this his first day as a declared candidate for re-election? This is just a few minutes ago. Uh, let's. Uh, this is about the father and something. This may or may not be true. Can we go, please? Go. My grandpa, who I never met, he died in the same hospital I was born in two weeks before I was born. But my grandpa was from, as they say in Maryland, from Balmer. Uh, fact checkers, 
are, are at work already, and uh, that doesn't appear to be true. You never know. I mean, people like uh, at least one grandparent died in September of 1941. That would be a year uh, plus. Joe was born in November of 1942. So uh, what about the other one? Is that possible? Is it possible? Where was he born anyway? Was he born in Scranton? Where the hell? Yeah, he was born in Scranton, the grandpop, the grandpop. I don't know. Look, he has told so many lies. Maybe this is true. But when you know what? When you lie as much as Joe, when we don't have the time, we just don't have that kind of time. It's amazing how damaging this guy is for national security. Zero credibility. He's lied a million times. Why should we start believing him now? Uh, all right. And well, you heard what? You heard what Don Lamont said about splaining. I don't need you splaining. That's the whole thing. Mansplaining. Mansplaining. If you know a lot about something, you're accused of mansplaining, especially if you're a man. You don't want to mansplain. What does that mean? Hey, Tom is in Baldwin. How are you, Tom? What part of Baldwin, please? Hey, how you doing there, Greg? You did a great job uh, last night with uh, President Trump. He did a real terrific job. And, uh, you know, I get a little worried about Donald Trump. I voted for him. I'm going to vote for him again. But I'll tell you why I'm worried about, you know, um, when he started talking about the 51 that he wants to extinguish their <clears throat> credentials, I just, I just, I just have this bad vibe inside me. Something's going to happen to this guy. He's the only guy that can straighten out this country. And those people you know, behind the mask that are causing all this damage, I think they realize if he gets into office, their pot of gold and their destruction is going to end. And I, I just got this bad vibe about it. I know he has protection, and I just worry about the guy, Greg. I yeah. really do. No, I know what you mean, man. People, uh, look. A president, a uh, presidential candidate, uh, by definition, quite frankly, a target, a target, right, for for maniacs, for nut jobs. But could he be the target of people who are not maniacs, not nut jobs, just very, very evil? Uh, it's not inconceivable. It's I'll say that it's not inconceivable. And by the way, I asked him basically about the swamp, and they're going to come after him. Uh, they don't want to be drained. Here we go. Cut twenty five, please. Cut twenty five. The swamp does not want to be drained. They're going to come after you again with everything they did the last time. But they'll come after other people, too. And I think other people wouldn't hold up so well. Think of it. With all of the phony stories, the impeachments and the Mueller stuff and Russia, 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 the Russia, Russia, Russia was like a big deal. You know, Russia, Russia, Russia was a made-up story so they could save face for losing a campaign, losing when Hillary Clinton crooked Hillary, when she lost that was going to be the reason she was going to make up. And it was a one-day deal. It was supposed to be one day. We lost because of Russia, except it caught on because the fake news loved the narrative. He's so right. He is so right. Uh, now, I do think there might there might be extra special hatred uh, in the swamp for uh, Trump. Extra special. Hey, Tom from Baldwin, thank you very, very much. Uh, that is interesting. The swamp coming after him. All right. I am a little bit nervous and I don't want to hear what, uh, Barbara thinks of the interview. Thank you for watching. I hear you. I heard you watch Barbara. Uh, people seem to really be responding more so than I thought they would. What was it about that, uh, sit down, Barbara? Well, Greg, congratulations. That was the most professional, polished, respectful, and 
elegant interview that I think I've ever seen with Donald Trump. And it was two professionals sitting down to share information who respected each other. There was no gotcha feeling there. There was no stress. It was just easy, and it let the information flow. You did an amazing job. Wow. Well, thank you so much. You know, when you when you get out of the interview, you're kicking yourself, oh, did I say this? Was that stupid? Was this, that, the other thing? But you're right. You know what? It was elegant. It There was something elegant about it. And I do, I think my questions, I'm proud of the questions. I thought they were thought-provoking and interesting without being, you know, didn't you say in 1978 that, you know, like all that stuff where you try to, you know, and you're just trying to impress like three people. Maggie Haberman at the New York Times. Ooh, Donald Trump never said that before. Oh, oh, oh wait, wait, this is a country. Yeah. If you set out to make news, you generally, that's a bad thing to do. You just let it flow. And, uh, I'm so pleased, Barbara. Uh, many, many thanks. And, uh, let's see. You have any thoughts? Hey, stand by. You heard what Tucker Carlson, no, what Charles Schumer, Chuck Schumer said about Tucker Carlson. Just demanding that the guy be fired. That was so strange. So, I, 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 you know, like, like kind of authoritarian Soviet Union stuff. Do we have that handy, Diego? He said it on the floor of the United States Senate and, uh, and now he's gone. Go ahead. Oops. One second. One second. Don't go, Barbara. I got to hear this. No. Millions yeah, go. of Americans tuned in to one of the most shameful hours we have ever seen on cable television. With contempt for the facts, disregard of the risks, and knowing full well he was lying, lying to his audience, Fox News host Tucker Carlson ran a lengthy segment last night arguing the January 6th Capitol attack was not a violent insurrection. Hey, you know what? First of all, you're allowed to have this opinion, Barbara, obviously, right? And here he is saying this is the worst hour of cable television in American history. Has he ever seen the Playboy Channel? Has he ever seen the Showtime Channel? Has he ever seen Bravo? I mean, there's some really decadent stuff. But, no, this is the worst thing. This is a threat to democracy. I think that man is disgusting, Chuck Schumer. Barbara. Well, I have to agree with you completely. When I saw that right after it happened and Chuck Schumer got up first thing that morning on the floor of of our you know, of our capital to say tyrannical things that our founders never could have imagined or would have imagined. And he said it not only did he issue this tyrannical mandate, but he was very comfortable doing it and doing it in front of the whole country. And I think that's because he is a tyrant and he uh, he applauds government control of everything. But also it's because in this country, people don't know their rights. We haven't taught generations now their rights, their right of freedom of speech, et cetera. So he can get up and say that and wield mighty power. And here we were all waiting to see more shows like that from Tucker. But it never happened, did it? And we know why. Because Chuck Schumer showed us he is the power. He and the people like him, they are the power, not our Constitution. Yeah, that's interesting. We never did see those, uh, that footage. We were supposed to see it all week long. We saw one or two great episodes and we never saw it again. And by the way, do me a favor, Diego. I want you to play this if you don't mind. You make me think the tyrannical, the tyrannical Schumer. There, this, 
nothing is more tyrannical than this when he threatened Kavanaugh. Remember that? Up and down, and he did it with a special glee in his eyes. He was all happy and uh, just kind of rallying the crowd, riling them. Now, Donald Trump in a million years would not have talked like this. Is it almost ready? Oh, shoot. All right, I'll get it. We'll get it. You know what he's like. I... Uh, Kavanaugh, you will reap the whirlwind and you will pay the price. Remember that? I mean, it was just, oh, uh, here we go. Here we go. And you gotta, you can't see it, but his, I, his eyes are on fire. He loves this. Go ahead. I want to tell you, Gorsuch. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh. You have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you. What? <laughs> That's the tyranny right there. What the heck, uh, Barbara? Huh? What the? What kind of people are these? Yeah, gleeful. You put your finger on it. He was so happy to be able to rile up that crowd by threatening Supreme Court justices, which we know is against the law. He didn't care. He fears nothing. He knows he has so much power. He knows he has government agencies behind him that will never come after him because he supports them and enables them. But the glee in his face and the happiness to say those vile words, he should be out of office, to say the least. The man has no business. He talks about preserving our democracy. He doesn't know we're a republic. He doesn't even know what we are, and he doesn't care what this nation is. He is a tyrant. Uh, he is uh, bad news, uh, but you, uh, you are a great, you are, I don't want to call you a th- one of the thousand points of light, You're, a, but you are a great ray of light. You know, Donald Trump in his book made fun of uh, George H.W. Bush and the thousand points of light. Remember the thousand points of light, you know, and he said, mm-hmm. you know, like the Bushes were basically, you know, they were wrong on the war and George H.W. was a wimp. He went back on his pledge for no new taxes and a thousand points of light. I mean, nobody could figure out what the hell that was about. <laughs> That's in the book. It's a coffee table book where you actually read and enjoy the captions. Most coffee table books, all of them, you just look at the pictures. The commentary is uh, is just as good. Well, Barbara, I so appreciate it. Many, many thanks to you and everyone else. And uh, oh, I'm up out of time one more time, and I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So strange. The world feels uh, a little bit different. It does somehow. I don't know. I feel I feel better. I feel like there's been a media realignment. I'm so grateful for the president's time yesterday, and I thought it was a great. Hey, there's one thing we didn't play yet. The whole thing about being the underdog. Uh, where is that? Because he seems to align himself with the underdog. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever noticed that? I did. And here we do. We talk about it. And uh, this is from, well, I noticed this after I read Letters to Trump. I knew it, but it was I was reminded of it. Cut 32, please. Cut 32. The book again. You actually align yourself with the underdog a lot. And I don't think that people understand that or appreciate about that. No, like Blagojevich, Michael Jackson, people who have taken a real hit. Where does that come from? Well, I think it comes from fairness. Blagojevich was put in jail for like 18 years by the Comey group. You know, Comey and the whole band, the whole same guys that go after. It's so bad. They're so bad for the country. Go right after the names. And 
I thought it was very, I didn't know him. I had no idea about Blagojevic. But when you looked at what they did for him, and I gave him a, uh, a release. I released him. I said, that's it. He released him. He gave him a commutation, I believe. And a pardon? I, thought, I think it was pardoned as well. Anyway, um, did you hear the first part? Fairness. It's about fairness. And uh, he's a great judge of, of, of fairness. Who's being treated fairly and who's being treated unfairly? And I think you want that. You want that in the president. Uh, you don't want a guy like Joe Biden who just piles on, piles on with the mob. All right, I got to go in a moment. Uh, hey, sorry about the calls. Very quickly, Max, go ahead. What's up? Ah, Max, you put me on hold. Sorry, I got to put you uh, on hold. Andrew and Stan Hope, hello, very quick. Hey, what's up, Greg? The irony is that uh, Biden always talks about fighting against racism. He was a big Jim Crow segregationist. He said he didn't want his kids going to a racial jungle school. That's why he opposed busing. He mocked Indian immigrants and their accent. He said Barack Obama was the first black Democrat male that was clean, that was physically clean. So no one's more racist than he is. So it's appalling the fake news doesn't cover that. It really is. And you remind me about all those uh, greatest hits. And uh, maybe I should play some of them tonight. And if you look at Joe's uh, campaign ad, it does seem designed to not appeal, and not to bring all Americans together. I think he's very consumed by what people look like, what's on the outside, not what is on the inside. And there's something wrong with that. Thank you, uh, Andrew. Rick, Rick, hi. Hey, uh, Biden's idea of freedom is taking away everything we have using the global warming scam, no gas, uh, no gas-powered cars, no gas-powered landscaping equipment, no gas stoves. Now they want to take away meat and rice. we got to stop it. We do. I mean, the idea that his freedom is the theme of this campaign of Joe Biden's personal freedom. They are against that. Everything. Gosh, it's always the opposite with these people. It's uh, it's amazing. Thank you, Rick. Great point. And uh, one more. Don in Oakdale. Is that Oakdale, Queens? No, sir. Oakdale, Strong Island, out here in Suffolk. All right. Um Oh, yeah, there's no Oakdale, Queens. There's Oakland Gardens. That's what I was thinking, Oakland Gardens, which a lot of people don't know about. Anyway, Don, go ahead. Yeah, really quick, you asked for a critique or a thought on your interview with Donald Trump last night. What the feeling I got was just looking at two men with mutual admiration and really making a difference in this country. And your show was great. I miss, I never miss it at 10 o'clock. And I listen to you when I'm at work over here at the Bourne Mansion in Oakdale. Thank you so much, Greg. Hey, you're at that mansion in Oakdale? I know that. What is it? What is that mansion? LaSalle. LaSalle. used to be in the LaSalle Military Academy. Yeah. No, that's great. Hey, did did it confuse you? Because I think they aired the interview at 9 p.m. last night. Did you catch it? Yes, I did. And I double-checked because at 10 you weren't there. But it was okay. I was there anyway. Yeah. No. Thanks, Don. Very, very much. Yeah. Thank you. And, um... I'm very proud of it. I'll always have that, quite frankly. You know what I mean? It's part of history. These things are documented. And uh, anyway, God has been God has been very good to me, and I want to be good to want to obviously be worthy of it all. And uh, and uh, very very grateful, very grateful. A lot of good things going on in my life, and uh, it's all from Him. And you can get close to Him too through the Bible. I'll see you tonight.